0: So we are in this message series called Mass Exodus, and we're uh, we just covered the three first three plagues out of the ten plagues that are going to hit the nation of Egypt, and it was blood and gnats and uh, frogs, right? So it's pretty bad stuff. He's like, "Oh, it can't get any worse." Have you ever said that it can't get any worse, and then it does? It was like, "What in the world?" A friend of mine, uh, in fact, she was a kid uh, in my youth ministry when I was in Arizona. Uh, She put on Facebook that they they live in California where the wildfires are, and they had to evacuate their house. And they got little kiddos and stuff, and they're grabbing them late at night. And uh, they they have a little RV in which they threw as much stuff as they could into their RV and uh, drove off. And we're staying with some people. Well, uh, then somebody stole their RV. You just think, okay, well, like, what? i oh like, you know, so we just have those moments where we think, well, it can't get any worse than this. And then, and for the Egyptians, it gets worse. It really does. And uh, we're going to take a look at some of the things that they have to deal with in order for Pharaoh really, to, uh, and maybe for the Egyptians and maybe even for the Israelites to answer the question, uh, who is this God that I should obey him? And that's what Pharaoh said, like, well, who is this God that I should obey him? Why should I have to do what he tells me to do? He's not my God. He might be your God. He's not my God. Why should I obey him? And that's a fair question. I think that's a question we ask as well as, why should I, why should I give any attention to God at all? What, what, why should I obey him? So God has tried to figure out ways of getting the Egyptians' attention. Gets Pharaoh's attention, so they would follow him and obey him. It takes a little; it takes quite a bit of convincing. So here we are. Uh, the next, the next, after the gnats are a whole bunch of flies. After a whole bunch of flies, the their cattle die, N- not the Israelite cattle, the Egyptians' cattle. And so there becomes a, a the God. God's beginning to make a, a, a clear distinction here that I'm not, uh, uh, between the people of God and the Egyptians, right? The cattle are spared if they were from Israel, but they were killed if they were from Egypt. So who is, in fact, again, still trying to answer that question of who is this God that I should follow him? So here we are, Exodus chapter 9, verse 8, right? Then the Lord says to Moses and Aaron, take handfuls of soot from a brick kiln, now, there's plenty of brick kilns because what did the Israelite people do? They made bricks constantly for the Egyptians. So they have a brick kiln. This And I think it's a little bit ironic that they take the soot from the, right, and, and bring it to Pharaoh. So here's Moses. And they have Moses toss it in the air, kind of like LeBron James, like that, while the Pharaoh watches. The ashes will spread like fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, causing festering boils to break out on people and animals throughout the land. So they took the soot from a brick kiln and, and went and stood before Pharaoh. As Pharaoh watched, Moses threw the soot into the air and the boils broke out on people and animals alike. Even the magicians were unable to stand before Moses because the boils had broken out on them and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and just as the Lord had predicted to Moses, Pharaoh refused so listen, so here's this scene. He walks in, there is no warning. He's not warning him. He just walks in and poof, right? And it, it just happens. And all of a sudden, there, uh, it, it's, it's changed a little bit because the, the things, you know, there was some, some plagues that were annoying, a bunch of frogs and gnats and flies, and that's annoying, but you can tolerate that, right? And, uh, you know, blood in the water, okay, it goes away. But now it's it's physically affecting them. It's you know there's boil. It 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 goes from just kind of like to and and you know what that's like. All of a sudden you get an illness or something that affects you, and it's without warning. Typically, we're not warned about that. We might have a little symptoms here and there, but all of a sudden we're hit with a a pretty big ordeal out of the blue. We didn't see it coming. Oftentimes, when that happens in our lives, we, have, we do. We have two choices. One, we're going to turn to God, or one, we're going to, or the other, we're going to turn away from God. Typically, when we get those news, news from our, our doctor, you've got this happening in your body right now. Those are the two choices we have. Far too often I've seen people just completely reject God. They had been walking with him now, but they feel like it's super unfair that God would do this to them, and they are blaming God, and instead of running to him, they run away from him. For some of us here in this room, that's when we began to run to God. We realized that things were out of our control. We didn't have any way of solving the problem, and we began to seek um, some help from God. The Egyptians decide. You know, they still don't want to do that. We're not gonna. We're not gonna give in. Those are tough kind of questions here, and and um, you know that that we oftentimes have. And, and I don't even have. A, I really, truly really don't have answers to some of the tough questions that the, the, that that plague our lives at times that come out of the blue. When people ask me, why doesn't God heal my mom? Or why didn't he save my child? I really don't have much. I don't even know what to say at those moments. Neither do you. Except this is what I typically say. I don't know. I do know that if you will run towards him, you will find some help. It may take a while, but he's there for you. He's there for you. We can either turn to God for strength or we begin to curse Him. The next plague is found in Exodus chapter 9, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of Hebrews says, Let my people go so they can worship me. So there we go, right? If you don't, I will send more plagues on you and your officials and your people. Then you will know. That there is no one like me. So he's, again, solving the, answer, the question here. That you will know. This is, what, this is to show you that there is no one like me. By now, I could have lifted my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. I could have just taken care of the problem like this. I could have wiped you off the face of the earth. We just erased you from history. Uh, there would have been no mention of you in the history books at all. We're just wiping you out. All i got to do, right, is just say the word. It happens. And again, to me, this is the patience of God. Over and over and over again, Pharaoh has refused to listen. And his heart, his heart has gotten harder and harder. I mean, that's incredible patience here. Verse 16, But I have spared you for a purpose, to show you my power and spread my fame throughout the earth, but you still lord it over my people and refuse to let them go. So tomorrow, at this time, I'll send a hailstorm more devastating than any in the history of Egypt. Quick, order your livestock and servants to come in from the fields to find shelter. Any person or animal left outside will die when the hail falls. Some of Pharaoh's officials were afraid because of what the Lord had said. They quickly brought their servants and livestock in from the fields, but those who paid no attention to the word of the Lord left theirs out in the open. This week in, in Colorado, there's a massive hailstorm. My friend Darren Rondi uh, lived in that area. He went out to try to rescue his car. And he showed a big welt on Facebook of his arm getting pelted with that. And, and I said, Man, do this. Fortunately, you didn't hit your head, right? Because he, he could have been killed with that. And we found out that there were animals that were killed during that hailstorm out there. And truly, that's what would have happened uh, to, you know, here the Egyptians. And by the way, again, this is an interesting thing here to me. In the plague, they are warned and they have a way out, they have a way out. All you got to do is just come inside. Just come inside. That's all they had to do. And yet some said, I'm not going inside. What? I mean, does does that just not, like, why why wouldn't you, after all these plagues, and after all these warnings, and after this, like, it's going to get bad, you just say, "Mm -mm, I'm not, I don't care what you say. I'm not bringing my stuff in. Huh. Here we see God's mercy. I could have wiped you out, and I'm giving you a warning. I could have wiped you out, and I could have given you a warning. And, and I've given you a warning. Second Peter 3, 9 says, so The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. second Peter 3:15 and remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what we what our beloved brother Paul wrote to you with the wisdom of God that God gave him. The Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. If God was not patient, we'd be wiped out. First Peter our first Timothy 1.16 But God has mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of His great patience with even the worst sinner. And others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. interesting little uh, tidbit here from uh, the Apostle Paul who says, you know what, God's mercy was incredible. He should have wiped me off the planet. I was the worst of the worst. He didn't. I got saved. And and I I just want that to be a testimony to you that you can too. You can too. God is constantly giving us moments of mercy. The Egyptians had their chance to avoid this plague. Just move your cattle inside. Just move your servants inside. Just get inside. That's all. It's going to be bad. Just get inside. And I don't, know why, I don't know why some chose to ignore that. I don't know why you choose to ignore it. The warnings are clear. The wages of sin is death. But, right, the gift of God is eternal life, and he can give it to you. We've heard warning after warning after warning. You can avoid all of this. if You will just simply believe in me, right? The warning is clear. You're heading for disaster. It's going to be bad. But we can avoid this. We can avoid hell. We can avoid The punishment that comes from sin, it can be, it can just be taken care of. Some of you have realized, boy, I'm I'm going to, no, I don't, no, I'm going inside. I am going inside. I want my family inside. I want my friends inside. I'm going to, everybody, let's come, right? Let's come in. But for some of us, for whatever reason, we're like, "Mm, I don't know. Maybe it won't. Maybe it won't do that. Maybe, maybe that's not going to happen. And then all of a sudden, there's a hailstorm. It didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. Grace was offered to everyone. Exodus chapter 9, verse 24. Never in all history of Egypt had there been a storm like that. With such devastating hail and continuous lightning. It left all Egypt in ruins. It wiped everything out, right? The the crops had already been devastated by the plagues that already had happened, but now anything that was left over was completely tattered and torn and ripped up. Their homes destroyed. The hail struck down everything in the open field, people and animals and plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. We see here that the devastation leaves Pharaoh kind of devastated as well. In fact, it says that he decides, that. He, in fact, he says, the Lord is right and I was wrong. Perhaps the severity of the destruction moves him to the moment of, of breaking, but it doesn't last long. I mean, he kind of, he gives like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I All right, he's God, I'm not. And I don't know what, it's like, Why do you stop at that? And all of a sudden he changes his mind. We're so like that. God, this is horrible. Make it stop. God, this is horrible. Make it stop. God, this is horrible. I promise, I promise, I promise. Make it stop. Only to have God grant our prayer. And then we renege on our promise. God, if this happens, I'll I'll get it right. I'll get right with you. I'll get right with my my mom. I'll get right with my family. I'm going to get right with my right. Just I I want the pain to stop. I don't want it to hail on me anymore. I'm so sorry. But then a little while later, we forgot about the hailstorm. We forgot about the pain. Business as usual. Pharaohs and advisors didn't get that. They just kept, you know, it's like they, they didn't get it. Next plague. Exodus chapter 10. Then the Lord said to Moses, return to Pharaoh and make your demands again. I have made him and his officials stubborn so I can display my miraculous signs among them. I've also done it so that you can tell your children and your grandchildren how I made a mockery of the Egyptians. So for this, this is really for you as well to give you an illustration of what's going to happen. And you better tell your kids and your grandkids. And I want, right, this is, so they will know. I made a mockery of the Egyptians about the signs I displayed among them. And so you will know that I am Lord. I'm answering the question. I mean, you might be asking, who is this God that I should obey him? I'm answering the question for you. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews say says, how long will you refuse to submit to me? Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse, watch out for tomorrow i will be a swarm of locusts on your country. They will cover the land so that you won't be able to see the ground. And they will devour what it left as the crops after the hailstorm, including all the trees growing in the fields. They will overrun your palaces. Your homes and your officials in the houses of Egypt. Never in the history of Egypt have your ancestors seen a plague like this. And with that, Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials now came to Pharaoh and appealed to him. How long will you let this man hold us hostage? Let the men go to worship in the Lord their God. Don't you realize that Egypt is in ruins? Logan. Super annoying, you know, And then they're just crusty, gross. Like they, somehow they get out of that thing. Like they're just crunchy, right? And, it, and you ever, you know. Been I, I, I just I hate them. So uh, here they are. this massively covering the whole land. It's they're everywhere. They're super annoying, and they're devouring. And here in Nebraska, we've heard the stories, right, of all that kind of stuff that happened in the, in the 20s and 30s. It's like it just wiped out crops. Did you notice that, that his advisors now say to him, you need to stop this madness. It's affecting everyone. Your stubbornness, and unwilling to let these people go is costing the nation. It's costing everyone. You ever have a friend that's going down a pretty dark path and you do your best to kind of confront, you don't know exactly how to say it, but you, you kind of say, you know what, I'm, I'm really concerned about you, man. You keep going this way. It's and then the response is this, hey, it's my life. I can do whatever I want. I heard an illustration one time about a, a family was in a little wooden boat out in the ocean. And they're trying to find their way back to shore. When one of the kids in the boat uh, takes, out, takes out his pocket knife. And he begins to, to whittle along in the bottom of the boat. And, he, and dad says, hey, what are you doing? It's like, well, I'm, I'm just making a hole. Well, stop it. Well, I can do whatever I want. 17. Yeah, well, this is a bad idea. Hey, who are you to tell me what to do? I can. Do, uh, this is my life. Leave me alone. Yeah, but the hole is going to affect every single one of us here. You just can't make... Well, it's my seat. It's my place. This is my area. I can do whatever I want. I mean, sure you can. Uh, but you're going to bring us all down. How many of us know that situation? When a person is outside of God's plan and God's will, and they just are super stubborn and they don't want to listen, and we know this is going to bring every one of us down. And the warnings go out, and they go out, and they go out, and they're just ignored. And the ramifications of those decisions is everything. It's devastated because of our stubbornness. We're so like that. We sang this song when I was growing up. I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life and leave me alone. Who hasn't sung that to mom and dad? Or to a brother, a sister, or a good friend. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. There's more plagues even after the devastation that takes place. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. Then the Lord says to Moses, lift your hand toward heaven and the land of Egypt will be covered with darkness so thick you can feel it. So Moses lifted his hand to the sky and deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other and no one moved. There was, but there was light, as usual, where the people of Israel lived. Again, here's the a little bit like uh, the contrast between the people of God and the nation of Egypt, right? And so there's a difference here. The nation of Egypt, complete darkness. And here the nation of Israel, is just they're just fine. This is is a plague without warning. The Israelites enjoyed light; The Egyptians did not. The first thing God did for the universe was say, let there be light. Let there be light. You can't live in darkness. John chapter 8 verse 12 says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, Here we go, right? You don't have to if you don't want to. You don't have to obey if you don't want. You don't have to, but if you will, what happens? You won't have to walk in darkness anymore because you will have the light that leads to life. You can if you want. You don't have to. You can walk in darkness. Have you ever noticed that all you need is just a little bit of light? You don't need a whole lot, but a little little bit of light would help. When I was in college, we went down to play basketball at a tournament in, in Oklahoma, and uh, we were staying at this place where there, there were some caves, and the people that we were staying with said, hey, we're going to take you into this cave. I'm like, okay, cool. And, uh, and then, uh, then I, didn't, I didn't quite realize the ramifications of that decision, because we're crawling through this really tight, super claustrophobic... I, I couldn't see anything. And I was like, I can't see. He's like, just keep crawling. I'm like, keep crawling. It's stupid. And um, but I, I couldn't see. And then all of a sudden, you kind of fell into the spot. And, uh, and, and again, you can't, I couldn't see a thing. They didn't turn the light on. It was, I, I was begin I, I, I hadn't even been there hardly at all. And I'm, I'm freaking out. And then all of a sudden, they turn a the light on. It was absolutely amazing and wonderful and reassuring. Oh, Good. And I had only been there for a short period of time. I hated the fact that I couldn't see anything. Total darkness. I wanted out. If only there had been a little bit of light. That's all that we needed. God has always wanted to turn the light on for us. It's the first thing he did. Jesus came to turn the light on for us as well. Bible says that his word is a light for my feet and a light for my path. In the great Psalm the twenty-third, we hear those amazing words that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. In those moments where it's dark and there's some shadows, what solves the problem of scary shadow? A little bit of light. Now, you ever get scared by, oh, oh, it's nothing, oh, it's nothing, oh, it's my stupid kid, you know, it's like, oh, oh what, oh, it's the cat, oh. boom, right, all they need is a little bit of light. You probably, like me, you've gone down in the basement, you know, you don't turn the light on because you think, oh, that's not going to be a problem, and then all of a sudden there's Legos. <laughs> and, uh, and I can get super mad at my kid for leaving the Legos right there, or I could have like, oh, you know what, I should have just turned the light on. I should have just turned the light on. That's what he wants to do for us in the darkest moments of our, of our existence where he's says, let me turn the light on for you. I, I know you're scared. I know you're worried. I know this is, you know, like, but let, let's just turn the light on. And no amount of darkness can even turn out the littlest of light. The darkness doesn't have any power over the light. They can't, it can't do anything to affect the light. The light affects darkness though. It illuminates and illuminates and dispels it and gets it out of our way. 1 John, verse 5. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then, right, and only then, we have fellowship with each other in the blood of Jesus, His Son. Here we go. Circle this one. Cleanses us from all sin not most or part or a little bit of it's all circle the word all remember the fact because i think sometimes we forget i don't think he can forgive me of that i am still not going to be able to get right with god i he cleanses us from all really all absolutely all if it didn't say all it would be lights out lights out you can trip try to live in darkness but it will be frustrating and scary. The last plague is the worst. The warning is clear. In Exodus chapter 11 verse one, he goes down to this and this is what's gonna happen. It's gonna get really, really bad. And the stupidity and the waste of all those lives and stubborn, because of stubborn sinfulness could be avoided. Even in, on this plague, there's an escape. The last plague is the worst, but there's an escape. There is a way to get out of it. They had to answer the question, who is this God that I should obey him? We'll talk about the last plague next week. But I'd like you to begin to ask, answer the question for yourself. Who is this God that I should obey him? If you'd like to come out of the darkness... And into the light. Today would be a good day for that. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for giving us hope. Just when we think it couldn't get worse, it seems to do that. We don't know what exactly where we are and what to do at times. We've stumbled into maybe even to church today, thinking, I need a little bit of light. I need a little bit of hope tired of walking in darkness. Tired of all of this. Here you are. Here you are. Right where we needed you to be. And if you would forgive all my sin, all the darkness of my life, could be gone. Oh, the overwhelming... Overwhelming love of God. Christ, we pray.